Welcome to Beerfield. I'm Beerfield Hop. That's that, that, that. Over there somewhere on some part of my screen that I can't seem to figure out how to point to is Beerfield Theory. That's me! That's him. That's me. I just turned off my... I, I mean, like, I'm struggling with my monitor. Because, you know... As you know, I, I like to wait until the worst times to replace stuff. Or just wait for fucking ever. As Windows is telling you that I shouldn't be talking. Like, we just talked about this. Like, you, you asked me to stop talking. I did. I did. I wasn't telling you you shouldn't be talking. I was just trying to level you out. Um, I know. I know. Because I've been fucking with volume a little bit. Um, disc golf's back. Disc golf is back. I got it, which is great because I got to get myself kind of like geared back into it. I do too. There's going to be some good weather on uh, Sunday, Monday. So I'm probably going to go uh, at least get some field work in on Sunday and throw for the first time in probably since November. That's awesome. December time yeah. for him. So go go try out some new plastic, figure out what I want to carry. Because um, I've got some mid-ranges that are, you know, kind of duplicate purpose and some other things I need to whittle down because my bag isn't that big. Yeah, it's all about, it's all about, you know, coverage. Just like, and, you know, in Dynasty, it's all about having coverage. It is. Um, Las Vegas going on. I was watching that today. Paige Pierce up on the female division, with, uh, tied actually with Katrina Allen. Uh, Two over, very, very good. Over Kristen Tatar, who's also very good. Um, her, I think Paige could beat. I think I think Paige could beat most men. Like I would love to see her. Like you see, like in like small tidbits, right? When they do their their side stuff, and she kind of, yeah, you know, she can kind of definitely not only hold her own, but pretty dominate, pretty much dominate. I would love to see her in the men's field and just whoops mass. Nope, I would as well. On the mid side, Chris Dickerson up on Eagle McMahon and uh, Gannon Burr right now through around one. Dude, if Dickerson's involved, like if Dickerson's up top, that dude is, he just doesn't relinquish like leads. He is, he's, he's a, so fucking, when he's on, dude, He's got nobody. A, I don't think anybody. Maybe Heinberg or McMahon, but he's got a one-stroke lead on McMahon and Gannon Burr, uh, Wysocki, Kevin Jones, Calvin Heinberg, uh, Adam Hammis, Nathan Queen, uh, a so, bunch of others back at nine under. So the big question is: is what is Heinberg's aesthetic look right now? He's we got, need to know if we hair, hate him. He's or got not. the hair back. Yes. See now, like now he's a hero. He shaves that shit off. Villain. <laughs> Keep yeah. your hair big, bro. Yep, he's got the hair back. Um, Yeah, NFL world. Uh, we're going to talk 2021 draft class, get into some of the latest news, um, check in on some Dynasty prospects. But before that... What's fueling beer fueled? What fuels you today? I'm drinking some Phase Three. You know, it's been a minute. Normally, I like the rep the brewery I work for, and today I decided not today. I got this Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday. I don't remember. 
I got phase three. This is their Czech style dark lager. I love um, dark lagers. Yeah. Same here. Like, so for those wondering, you know, Czech style generally using, you know, Czech hops, Czech yeast, um, to kind of help give it its own. Obviously, you know, with these European styles, generally bitter, the hops they use are generally bitter. I don't know if that's because of the water or just of the soil, soil. or whatever. It's, it's the soil. Soil and the, soil. It's like grapes. It's soil in the region that okay. they're growing in. And that stuff. makes sense. So, Czech has a specific, like Saz and like Saz, for example, has some specific notes, and German hops have some specific notes to them. And, yeah. What is the specific malts? Is it? It's. It's not just. It's not chocolate malt, but it's. It's like a roasty. It's almost like a. It's a, like a more roasted Marzen or. Uh, it's Czech Pilsner and then probably Munich. Munich, yeah. Munich okay. or Vienna. And it's actually, I mean, the grain bill is probably for that style. It's going to be Czech Pils, and then it's probably going to be, I don't know, it wouldn't be, it, it, it might be a dark Munich. It's Vienna, malt. like, hard. It, uh, I don't know if Vienna would be dark enough. I mean, it's Vienna, not. Vienna, Vienna wouldn't be dark enough. There are some, no, I, there are some highly killed Munich malts that would be, though. Okay. So for those of you that are that are still listening <laughs> as we get into our We just lost half our of our nerdy we just we lost, lost half we're, of our we're down to fifty now, god damn it. Uh we both love this style and this is not a very common style, but because uh we're seeing a trend into more of the European, just more of we're back to the basics, right? Everyone's hazed out. You no know, you know, people have had enough of the milkshakes and the overly adjunct stouts and porters and all that stuff. So we're starting to see a a lift into the European or, or the basic styles. And uh, I'm here for it because dark lagers are, are amazing. Dark lagers are amazing. Um, I'm drinking bourbon on the show for the first time a little bit. I saw that, man. It's been a minute. I've got a peerless, which I was on the verge of, of killing. So uh, Kentucky peerless was the distillery that shut down around prohibition. They recently reopened, um, their bourbon and the rye were the first two releases from, uh, the new distillery. Bourbon's about six years old. I think retails for about 70 bucks. Uh, this one checks in at 110 proof and the bottle's actually pretty cool. It's not a normal run of the mill bottle. So, uh, if you're oh, on yeah, YouTube, I've seen those. yeah, if you're on YouTube, you can see that. Uh, but. One of the more unique bottles I've had. I noticed it sitting there almost empty and just decided I needed to finish it. I do also have... I didn't want to put them on the show because they were just on the show, I think, not that long ago. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. I got Hand of Fate's Tipping Cow with me as well. It's, no, it's been a while since... No, I had them on the show. I did the, I did their uh, their collaboration with Benny's. You did. Um, I've got the Tipping Cow, which is a chocolate milk stout, which I just opened before I restarted the show, and I didn't finish it before that, so that's why that's there. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, look at this dark malt thing real quick. I just want to see what the common... Uh, Cary Munich in pale chocolate malt and some of them, so... I mean, okay. there's got to be a variance there. Cary Munich's one of those highly kilned... Highly killed makes milk, sense. Munich malt and it does. It's going to be roasty. It's going to be you know better. Just the hops they use are going to are going to help because you can get pretty subtle hop uh, bitterness to it. They kind of help more on you know on the mouthfeel and then towards the aftertaste. And then it's yeah. very just that dry coffee, roasty. I just love it. Absolutely. 
All right, into the news. So Aaron Rodgers is a troll. I don't know why people are surprised by that. Hey, um, hey, hey. So my post, my post said it sounded like I didn't think he was going to retire. I'm just saying. And then I had the troll oh, DJ. I'm not, it was am- I'm not blaming you. It was everybody oh, know, else know, on the internet that was pissed oh off about God. that. And I'm like, what? He was just showing gratitude. I'm like, and that's what I assumed he was going to come out. He knew that everybody would bite and did it to fuck with people. I want more players to do that. I want more players to know that the media and Twitter is going to lose their shit over something and just post vague shit for their own amusement. That's all Aaron Rodgers. It, it was it was so good. It, it was, was it, it was perfect. And then me trolling and then me having fun with, you know, with DJ. Yeah, it was funny as hell. Formerly of Loaded Box. Mm. But he does I can't have- wait for him to I just can't wait for him to come after me when <laughs> when all the cap space that you know they that Green Bay is making right to bring back both Rodgers and Adams so we can get a last ride. Just kidding, but maybe. Uh, yeah, they're hoping to not franchise tag Adams and Rogers is, you know, gonna give him a decision soon. He said, "Whatever soon." I means. wish they. I mean, I I hate to say it, but I think I think they need to. This they can't afford to keep trying to, you know, please Rogers at this point. The roster is right. crumbling, but the NFC North is a very acquirable division, just given very the quality of the teams right now. So mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, Chiefs are going to retain Eric Bieniemy as they should. Uh, Brian Flores signed as an assistant with Pittsburgh, assistant uh, defensive coordinator, defensive coach, yeah, defensive coach, linebackers. linebackers. I think it's yeah. also released that he uh, refused to sign what essentially amounted to a gag order, separation order. Um, I don't know why telemarketers are calling me at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> It's about your student loans. It's not. It's about a property about from a state you haven't lived in Arizona. In 20 years. Arizona. It's my. <laughs> they are calling me about my car loan. Or like, about, oh man, about this my property cars. that you recently acquired. No, it's about my car's extended warranty. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Anyway, Flores refused to sign a gag order. Uh, left millions on the table to speak out against the team. So. The fact that there was a no disparagement order, I don't know if that's standard or not. That means something was fucking going on. I'm sure that, I'm sure there's Steven again. Ross has put himself right up there with Dan Snyder and Stan Kroenke in terms of shitbag owners. I'm not gonna be surprised if uh if all thirty two of these owners have have dirt on them. I mean It's just how much you're gonna know be, about. I think anyone would be surprised, so uh, Falcons hired former Bears GM Ryan Pace, senior personnel executive. Actually, he should have a front office job. He did some things that were decent. He just missed on the quarterback and missed on the head coach, and that's not going to keep you in a GM role. But you know, there are some other things that he was able to work out that were that were okay. I don't have a lot else to say on that. No, no, I mean that's yeah. Uh, Aaron Jones restructured his contract so he's not going anywhere aj dylan druthers um he converted i think 3.88 million of next year's money into signing bonus and added void years to 25 and 26 to spread out the cap hit more yeah this is uh these are all moves that this team is making to again as you just pointed to to keep rogers adams here this is to keep the competitive window open yep um saints didn't do this specifically but this it 
it, it's the like, same thing. you know during the breeze years but it's it's the same concept so mm-hmm. and it just you know if he sees a player get their contract restructured all that's really telling you is they're unlikely to be cut at that point if yep. they've taken the pay cut and played along with the team uh zach stacy remember that video misdemeanor charges for domestic violence and battery two misdemeanor for criminal mischief no felony charges hmm so at least he's got some charges but that's, i don't know how you don't get a penalty charge there i don't either that was weird to me uh the xfl has agreed to work with the NFL on rule changes to adva- and uh, innovation to advance the game. So basically what they're becoming is what the, I forget what independent league it is that does this for the MLB. Um, but there's an independent league when the MLB considers implementing a rule change or doing something to innovate the game, help the competitive window. Uh, they've got an agreement with a couple of competitive le- with a couple of independent leagues actually, where those leagues will, implement that rule so that the MLB has the data on how that it impacts the game. Um, And if it's actually going to do what they intend before they bring it to the major league level or even the minor league level. And it sounds like that's what that agreement's going to be to start is that the XFL, when they relaunch will kind of be a a proving ground for some concepts the NFL might want to implement. And that could open the door to more too is the development league. I mean, one of the USFL who we'll get to in a minute in the XFL has got to stick this time. And the XFL, having that backing from the NFL, you know, says some good things to start, even if it's not a direct player development type situation. It's good. No, it's a, it's a, it's good. So I'm going to give it a old school Dan review. It's good. Yep. Reminder, uh, XFL is owned by the rock and is set to relaunch next year. Um, USFL launching this year, which, will probably fall again. But some notables in that draft, Kyle Laletta, uh, you know, the, <laughs> somebody that a lot of people thought were going to be good somehow. Um, I don't know. I was not one of them. Uh, no. Pittsburgh. Jordan Tayami to Tampa Bay. He was the Battlehawks quarterback, former Ole Miss quarterback that had DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown and uh, Dawson Knox and... Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Demarcus Lodge, Demarcus Lodge, a lot of everyone, basically. Yeah, um, people. But he was good with the Battlehawks, too. He was going to Tampa Bay. Uh, Jordan Lasley, remember him? Mm-hmm. He'll also be in Tampa Bay. Uh, Taewon Taylor to New Orleans, Mike Weber to New Jersey, and Larry Rose III to New Orleans. So Already out of football. Somewhere the counselor is crying because, you know, didn't get his chance. Larry Rose? Yeah. I, mean, I think that was concert guy. I don't remember. I don't know. I like Larry Rose. It was a small little scat back though. We got to read my favorite, my favorite news tidbit. What's that? The New York Post reports Amazon and quotes could make a serious run at Sean McVay at Sean McVay <laughs> for their upcoming Thursday night football broadcast. I don't think he's going to leave the sideline. They also made. Uh, I, I just Lynch. think it's fucking hysterical. It is pretty fucking hysterical. Amazon, give the people what they want. You know who you make a run at for that broadcast? Fucking Pat McAfee. Yeah. That's who you make a run at. You pair him up with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, man. That would be good. I'm not retired. I'm just going to broadcast. Do that for a man (laughs) in gas. Um, NFL scrapped combine bubble plans. So uh, that boycott's off the table. 
And then this is a note I found interesting for Dynasty as we're about to dive into Dynasty. But the Colts are expected to place a second round tender on Ashton Doolin. Yeah, no, I saw uh, some of the old Ashland Doolin truthers along with us getting hyped about it. That's that... all the two catches are touchdowns when he gets targeted and he catches the football touchdowns. Well, that says something about their long term plans that they're willing to pay him three point nine four million on a second on a second round tender to to hang around. That tells you that there's actually some belief in his game and that you know T.Y. Hilton during the end and uh, Paris Campbell not able to stay healthy that. You know, they see something for him. Uh, comparison's sake, they're the same tender that the Patriots are putting on Jacoby Myers, who is their top receiver. So Myers makes sense because he's a great fit, mm-hmm. you know, you know, with Jones and, and he'd be, you know, he's a good two, three as they continue to, uh, to build up that receiving core there. I mean, I mean, they reconstructed Hilton. I'm assuming Hilton's probably. Will be cut at this point. They reconstructed him. They they uh, yeah. they they it built a recon- him six million dollar man right there. <laughs> they six million dollar. Well, more like two point three million dollar man. He, we we can rebuild him. We have the technology. <laughs> we, can, we have the technology. <laughs> they restructured him. His leg is actually on his arm now. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually T Y Hilton's just Mister Potato. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 God, they didn't. They don't. Have like no receivers. I freak. They picked up Kiki Kuti. Didn't know that. Yeah. Some point. Peace. <laughs> Yay. Yay. That's right. No, but I do like this for Doolin. He should. Uh, you don't get a second round tender, and not have yourself a chance to earn opportunity. So, mm. w- one name to watch. And just, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not a great passing offense, not a lot of volume, but hey, they need a number two alongside Pittman. Mm-hmm. Maybe they found him. They do. Uh, Josh Larkey was supposed to join us for this episode, by the way. He is off in a bobsled somewhere. So, uh, <laughs> patrolling the, uh, the cold wilderness and snow. He'll be joining us next week. <laughs> so make sure you tune into that show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm also I'm also told breaking news he'll be here I think in three weeks. Really? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Next week, three weeks. <laughs> All the same. We're just gonna We tell, love Larky. We love Larky. Keep telling you guys that he's we gonna show him. up and then eventually he'll show up. We do love him. He's, he, was, yeah. he's, he was very apologetic. He felt bad about it and we didn't weren't hurt by it at all where you just I'm just like dude it's okay it's gonna be a joke now that's that's you're, all it is you're you were so busy the fact that you would even make time for us yeah he's a, he's a good dude. good dude all right 2021 draft class boom we're gonna start with quarterbacks um after year one uh I think most of us thought five guys would have relevance there's actually six so let's yeah. let's start up top. Let's start with the guys that got they got starting reps this year, and that is going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. I think we got to start at the top here with Lawrence. By a, a lot of standards, he underwhelmed in year yeah. one. 
and it was not what you want to see out of a out of a number one overall pick, regardless of the supporting cast. Now, you can make the excuses that, and he gets a pass in year one too, because it's not really excuses. He was in a dysfunctional franchise, a dysfunctional development operation, a dysfunctional coaching staff, with no receiving help. After DJ Chark broke his ankle early, he they lost ETN. Um, it's a rebuilding team anyway. If the deck could be stacked against, stacked against you, the deck was sta- deck was stacked against Trevor Lawrence, and you're gonna need to see strides from him in year two, though. Otherwise, we're gonna have to start talking about it as you know a high level bust potential. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and with all the points you just hit, too, you know, with you know, with the deck stacked against um losing you know key playmakers the fact that they didn't have any key playmakers the fact that you know a converted defensive back and an old busted first round pick was his top two receiving options just speaks volumes to you know to what he had to go with still top you know he's top five in money throws top three in danger plays number one interceptable passes the dude takes risks he's everything that you want from a fancy quarterback who's not getting high rushing volume is taking shots downfield. And he's doing that with the cast of guys that you see at Walmart. So Mm -hmm. the fact is that they have, you know, multiple third round picks and they have high, you know, another high second round pick there. There's going to, in this receiving class, there's going to be great options available to them. Mm -hmm. And, there's still a lot to like here. The fact that he was still able to be top five in money throws, just given how bad the offense was. And that's not even number one, up Doug Peterson, number one in drop passes too. Yeah. I mean, his, he was like what bottom three in uh, a target or in receiver separation. Yeah. Like, I mean, catchable pass rate was also very, very low. It was 47th, but um, you know, part of that's just on, on receivers too, and it, it, it was a rough year. Able to separate, but you're right. There are some things to like when you looked at. You know, you got the gunslinger mentality, but the money throws are a positive. Eighth and air yards is a positive. Not afraid to work the ball downfield. You know, that's a positive. But there, you know, play action completion percent was respectable. But there's a lot of things that need to be helped there too. There is, and and. You know, you're going to have hopefully better coaching, you know, obviously better playmakers. He's already, you know, you know, you bring in Doug Peterson and and he had a more up-tempo pace of play, obviously went through a lot of passes. Um, and those offenses, it's not like Jacksonville's defense is great. They're going to be playing from behind. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying expect the Peyton Manning leap from year one, year two that we saw from him way back in the day, but I don't think anyone's going to be shocked with a, I won't say wide open division, but the AFC South is it's pretty open. It's pretty open, right? The Titans aren't aren't juggernauts. Worst number one seed, you know, you know, since the Green Bay Packers. No, the Colts aren't aren't juggernauts. <laughs> the Texans are bad. I mean, the Colt. It's most people are going to assume it's going to be the Colts and the Titans struggling for that division lead, but not anywhere near the number one seed. The Titans somehow were a one seed, probably because. You know, they played the Jaguars and the Texans twice a year, but. And they caught teams at the right time. It, But by the way, I mean, this is uh, Lawrence can do a lot. And I think there's a lot of upside. I think it, every single quarterback, the ones that didn't hit, 
mm. you know, this obvious top five. So, you know, guys that aren't named Mac Jones, all, all, all look, all are receiving upside. You know, there's upside. There's reasons why to still be excited about them. You can on justify top of it being, it being a poor class. You can justify it for all of them in your one, I think. I well, think a lot the of same with guys, Mac Jones. But Mac Jones yeah. literally did what we all expected him to he be, did. right? Especially for fantasy. Like, he. What I'm saying is that you can justify the poor performance in year one without saying that they're a busker being overly concerned right sure. now. Yeah, because yeah, there yeah. are things to like. Moving on to Zach Wilson, it's a lot of the same story. Although Zach Wilson had a little bit better results. Um, Miguel Chapin, who we'll have on in a couple weeks, does the AYA tra- tracking, and pretty much for Zach Wilson, said two steps forward, one step back. But there is gradual was gradual progress there throughout year one. You can see that in the stat lines. Um, not quite the lack of a cast or the coaching dysfunction that the Trevor Lawrence had, which did lead to a, a, a bit more success. Ooh, there's a new pace of play metric here too. Yeah. The, uh, sorry. I'm just noticing shiny new things on player profiler. <laughs> Thank you, Larky. I, I know that's him. Um, so anyway, for Zach Wilson, it's you got to continue to get better. He doesn't. He, unlike Lawrence, I don't think needs to take a major, major leap, but he still needs to continue that that upward trend for you to for you or two to feel better about it, and you know probably increase the rate a little bit. Um, you know, you don't have the the money throws, but you also don't have the danger plays or the interceptable plays with with Zach Wilson. It's just not up there that high. Um, you know, some things that. Are there to like red zone completion percentage was was up there. Deep ball completion percentage was was up there. He was third and drop passes, so him like Lawrence was not getting a lot of help from his receivers. Twenty ninth in receiver target separation. So um, we all know that Elijah Moore, who we'll talk about in a while, had a good season, but Corey Davis was banged up, hurt, and ineffective. And same thing with Jamison Crowder. So. There are things with, with Zach Wilson to like, especially that he has a little bit more of a rushing floor. Um, but it just didn't all come together for a big blow up year one. And that's going to happen. I mean, it, it, we were encouraged by the final few games, right? No interceptions. He, he played game manager, right? The 91 rushing yard game, you know, it's great to see, you know, rushing touchdowns were there. The best thing, the, the thing that makes, Wilson intriguing in terms of of what we could see from a year one year two leap. The Jets have two top ten picks. The Jets are picking five times in the top seventy, mm-hmm. and they're not going all defense. They're as a matter of fact, those first two picks could be offense, right? Offensive line protect Wilson, get that better, and then outside receiving option. You know, we see a lot of we've seen a lot of mock drafts with Traylon Burks and Drake London. Going up this high, they can still trade back and still target those guys. Wilson, if the Jets are going to believe in in a way that they didn't do with Darnold, is invest into making the situation better. Even if it doesn't hit for him, it'll hopefully hit for the next, next guy, guy that they try to bring in. So there's a lot of good to like about this upside. And he's going to be super cheap, right? He's already a polarizing prospect alongside Lance and Jones, where half the community didn't like him. Mm-hmm. And other staff loved them. So there's there's this I loved him. There's a yeah. There's a I'm always on one side a, of a polarizing argument. Yeah. <laughs> there tends to be uh 
there tends to be, you know, some buying opportunity. And I think he's better than every quarterback in this in this upcoming class. So and he's probably gonna be I would agree with that, yeah. Or available. I would easily. I don't think any quarterback is gonna go top ten in this class. Wilson was picked top two in one of the best rookie a quarterback classes, at least prospect wise, we've ever seen. Class is so, a lot maybe. of maybes. There's gonna be two or three guys that end up starting, but it's Kenny Pickett and a lot of maybes, and Pickett would have easily been fifth in this class. I would have had Jones higher. I I don't love Pickett as much as you do. Yeah. But we'll we'll get to that when we get to quarterbacks. I don't hate him by means. I'm just Yeah, we'll get to that. Not impressed. So anyways. Anyway, Justin Fields, the other one that kind of fits this mold of highly tatted, highly talented, um, not a lot going right for him in year one. And that's it. You know, the Bears didn't commit to him and then had to go to him and then wouldn't commit to him and then had to go to him. And his supporting cast also was highly. It wasn't as lacking as some other things. Darnell Mooney had a very nice season. Uh, Cole Komet started to break out a bit. Um, Allen Robinson's trash, so we won't go there. But, um, you know, he did have it a little bit better, and I think that showed. Uh, the rushing upside was definitely on display, but you know, for me, he also had a little bit more more polish to put on there, and I think that he fits the exact same mold of the upside is still there, right? We yep. could easily turn around next year, two years from now, and Justin Fields is the best quarterback in this class, and I wouldn't be surprised at all just because of the raw talent that is there. Um, but some things to to like, some things to not like. Let's start with the things to like. Um, air yards per attempt was second. That's good. Uh, deep ball completion percent is 12th. That's good. Um and that might be it, actually. Um, looking at some other things, you know, he didn't have the drop passes that that Zach Wilson had, and that's a counting stat. So he had less starts, but he didn't have the drop passes anywhere close to him, really, that Zach Wilson had or that Trevor Lawrence had. His receivers were able to separate; they were getting uh separation and getting open. Um. You know, he was not great in any completion percentage metric. He was 30th or lower in all of those. Um, You can blame the offense. You can't really blame the receivers on that one. If they're not really dropping passes and they're separating, you can't blame the receivers, even though there weren't a lot of household names there. You can blame the offense. He wasn't a bad offense with a lame duck coaching staff that wouldn't commit to him. Um he still, though, I don't think it changes my evaluation with Justin Fields that he is the highest ceiling, lowest floor prospect. No, second to Trey Lance. Sorry. Yeah, he's second. Him to and Lance, Trey Lance yeah. are very close as far as highest highest ceiling, lowest floor goes in this class. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, obviously passing, you know, just the passing efficiency, the the passing production, obviously wasn't there, and there's a lot of excuses that you can make for, you know, for every quarterback and your, you know, for Wilson and Lawrence, there's also a lot of concern still just like with this, you know, just with the other two, like what we think we'll get with Lance, what separates feels and from a fantasy standpoint is what we'd like the most is rushing production, you know, six and, you know, carries so seventh and, you know, carries per game, just two rushing touchdowns. So you didn't have the rushing touchdown variance that some of these guys can get 
you know, at times. The Bears couldn't get anywhere near a fucking goal line. <laughs> Absolutely. And generally, touchdowns are a product of how good the offense generally plays. He's also fifth in rushing yards. So the rushing production for young quarterbacks, is it, it's, it's, it's what we want to see is they're trying to go out there and still extend the drives. Like the whole the whole goal of the game is what score fucking points. So so keeping those, you know, drives going by maybe not getting the elite counting production from a passing standpoint, he's still going out there and the getting rushing. the rushing production, which is what we love to see. The concern is is, you know, you get a new coaching staff, you get a new management staff is leash, right? Wilson's only one of these three that that didn't that has a continuation with the staff. Not can say that you know Fields is going to get replaced this year by any means, but if he goes out has a dog season, Bears are picking top three in a class in in a supposed QB class is supposed to be significantly better than this one, especially at the top end. It's just something to keep note. It's the same thing for Wilson. It's the same thing for Lawrence too. It, it, it's we don't see the long leashes like we used to do. Mm-hmm. So we can be excited about the upside, which we definitely are. There is concern, and not every quarterback in this class is in top five is going to hit, right? And we're just going to have to live with that. You may and not may get see through, one. You may not get through a rookie deal deal before no, you're replaced. No. Ask Drew Locke. <laughs> Trey Lance. We'll Trey Lance. There's not really a lot of analysis we can give. He really didn't get into anything. Um, he had one game against Houston in week 17. He, uh, performed pretty well. It's not enough week 17. I thought it was earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, no, he had one against Arizona too, actually. Uh, yeah, I thought he started one more game mid season. He looked a lot better against Houston Houston than he did against Arizona, but you don't have a lot off of two games of advanced metrics to go on. Um, uh, the needle hasn't moved for me on Trey Lance at all. He's still like Justin. Oh. What? I said, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's still high ceiling, low floor, and the development opportunity is good, and we'll see what happens throughout the offseason if it looks like he's going to get the chance this year or not. And, you know, that's where what what's really going to tell you more than anything is, okay, are they going to give him a shot in year two? Or... Are they not? And if not, then you've wasted half his rookie deal. What's up? I will say this. He might have the best set of playmakers and almost might be in the only NFL. Like Oh yeah. He's got he's got the perfect there's nothing there's nothing better than a quarterback who's new and needs to be, you know, like he needs like he needs to be coached up is having the best yak options available to him. You know, with the way how they use Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and the fact that he can run the RPO, the fact that he has a head coach with a track record of developing prospects. And making running backs work, right? I mean, it's you're exactly right. He has a better set of weapons than any other quarterback in this class did. He's got a better set of weapons than most of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a year. Grapple hasn't been cut or traded yet. Right. right, seeing some, you know, some small rumors out there saying that maybe the Niners decide to keep Garoppolo, and who knows, right? For as long as this continues to go, Lance's value is going to continue to keep rising until we get word either way with with what happens with Garoppolo. But 
Lance's upside is top three in the NFL. Like that's just where he sits from a fantasy perspective. He is mm-hmm. like if you if you want another Josh Allen potential, you were looking at him, and not say it's going to happen, obviously, but he couldn't be asked like he couldn't be set up more perfectly right. to reach that. You know, some parts of those floors. Nope, I agree completely. Um, the other two guys that took starting reps, Mac Jones. So. <laughs> It's good. He's at his. He's, he, not, he's good, not great. He was at. He he played as advertised. His floor is close to his ceiling, and he played kind of what we expected him to do. Not. I don't think anybody should be surprised that Mac Jones fit New England and was the most pro ready quarterback coming in. I I don't think that that you should be. You also shouldn't be surprised that. Looking through a lot of this, other you know, he was pretty much middle in the pack, middle of the pack as far as uh, most of his attempt metrics and you know downfield metrics and you know throw quality high up there in money throws though. Um, through, oh yeah, he was he was good too. High up there in air yards, um, completion percentages were were high. Um, look, Mac Jones is changed. Mac Mac Jones has changed how I'm evaluating quarterbacks a little bit, and I think it's part of the reason why I'm higher up on on Pickett some. And it's basically instead of looking for the Konami Code QB and saying you're you know you're automatically top one, top two, it's who's the quarterback that's athletic enough? Maybe not hyper athletic, but who's athletic enough to run a little bit, scramble a little bit? escape pressure and can throw on time, can get the ball out, can understand his reads and understand what he's seeing with, you know, work, work quick and be decisive. Um, it's kind of, you know, similar to what I missed on with Herbert too, right? You know, there's certain things out of a couple guys I missed on that have changed how I evaluate people to put me higher on picket. And, Mac Jones is one of them, and I think what you saw to Mac Jones is very sustainable from a fantasy perspective. I don't know that it's going to go a lot higher. It's not Trey Lance or Justin Fields where the ceiling is the roof, right? It's not even it's, Trevor Lawrence because it, no. it's, you know, 2.6 rushing, you know, a carries per game. We know Mac Jones is not going to run the football. No. Where it he improves, can, is, he's not going to try to. No, and as New England continues to improve the receiving core, they did the same shit with Brady for yep. the longest time. Just cater the offense towards what you want him to be. And that's the game manager plus or just game manager. And he's one of he like he's one of the smartest players in football already. Like we we got as advertised, we got our QB two and super flex, great QB two option. No one gives a shit about him in single QB outside of depth. And that's what we have, and that's what we got from him. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show just based on how you evaluate him, you know, you know, you know, when you bring up Pickett, Pickett's my highest graded quarterback in the class so far, which is all the top guys. So anyways, it doesn't matter. But, you know, in terms of fantasy wise, I approach it differently because I, I want I don't view Pickett further enough away from the rest of the prospects to offset some of the Russian production from the other guys. No, is why I would put other guys over Pickett in my fancy class, but I agree that Pickett's the best prospect in terms of 
football prospect that I've my untrained eyes will tell me. So, yeah. Um, in Mac Jones, I think sustainable. I think that's what what you look at this performance and you say is that it's sustainable. And if they get better weapons around him, then it's going to raise the ceiling a little bit. But he's not going to raise the ceiling a lot on his own, like a Fields or a Lance could do. No, no, he'll need just like I believe with Pickett's. Yeah, just like I believe with Pickett, it's a guy that's going to not make his team. Like he's like he. It won't be the he won't be the reason why his team takes the massive strides. He'll need playmakers around him. Be, but he can definitely be a viable option when he gets playmakers around him. That's a la Kirk Cousins. Why I saw a lot of uh, a la Justin Herbert in in yeah. Pickett, right? I saw a lot of the same things there, and it's you know Herbert landed well. You can't argue that he landed with no oh, God. He got Allen, Keenan Allen and Austin Henry Eckler at the time. Austin yeah. Eckler, Mike <laughs> Williams, Melvin Gordon, yeah. or not Melvin Gordon. Sorry, but yeah, he landed well, and I think if Pickett does the same, then somehow we're on Kenny Pickett again. Davis Mills. I don't know what to say about Mills. Lovey Smith is saying they have an opportunity to get a really good quarterback. They're not sold on it. He overperformed what everybody expected, though, too. Does he start year two? I don't know. But I think that... I think he does. A dynasty asked that said, I want. I know that. The answer is not really. But he did. I think you got to acknowledge that he did outproduce what anybody... Could have ever reasonably. He was the second best rookie quarterback offense. this year. Yeah, easily. he was the second best rookie quarterback this past year, and no one can like like you can't deny that. Just watch the games; it, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's plain as day for you know from a pure football standpoint. And he got fantasy, like, the, and he got better as the year went on. Yeah, and he has a weapon. He, he had he had an off injury. Brandon Cooks. He has a rookie Nico Collins. He has fucking Rex Burkhead and Philip Lindsay and old man David Johnson and. Drevin Jordan, Jordan, eight, like he, like his fucking weapons were terrible, mm-hmm. and he outperformed Lawrence Fields and Wilson. He did, and it sometimes it looked like by a country mile. Yeah, yes, it did, and you know, huge game against New England, and nobody does that to New England as a rookie quarterback. Fucking Davis, not Josh Larkey though, man. Josh Larkey killed it out there. That's right. <laughs> All right, other names. Uh, Kyle Trask is firmly entrenched as a backup. Kellen Mond. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens with the new regime. Not, not looking good for Mr. Mond. We'll see what happens with the new regime. Uh, Ian Book got a start. It was ugly. And Sam Ellinger, I mean, he beat out Jacob Eason. So that's something, I guess. Yep. Those are all the names from this class, though. Not, yeah, yeah. Not a lot to take in there. Uh, running backs. Um, handful of guys to talk about here. We'll talk about the top of the class first. Uh, Najee Harris got all the volume we expected him to. Javante Williams really started to break out as the the year wore along and and pretty much an even split with Melvin Gordon. And uh, Travis Etienne missed the entire season because of the Liz Frank injury. I I I'm so pumped for for ETN to come back. I just it's someone who loves his running backs to catch passes, and I'm hoping he's ex, he's as as explosive as he is. Marquise Brown was able to you know make his comeback and be 
very, very productive after that. Not saying that ETN is going to have that type of impact, but I mean, you know, he's going to be in a situation where there's still lack of receiving options and, and he's got the familiarity with, with his own quarterback and with a large amount of receptions on his college profile. I want him, right? I know people love Javante and people love Najee Harris. So people have a love hate for Najee because he gets volume, but he's inefficient. He's basically Melvin Gordon that has caught passes early on in his, you know, in his career. Well, I, I want to pause that though, because talking about Najee, that's not all him, right? That offensive line we mentioned, they lost a ton of starters. We're going to be yeah. dog shit. And that's why we, we faded Najee. And I just, there's some things here that I want to, I I want to point out if I may. I'm sure. Do it if you don't mind. I uh, I, I I will never mind. He was second in yards created. He was eighth in breakaway runs. He was second innovated tackles. So here's what that tells me: if you're top two. Innovated tackles and yards created, and yes, that's going to be inflated a little bit because of the volume, because those are counting stats. Um, that tells me that if the line gets better, your numbers and your efficiency is inherently going to get better. I mean, he's going to be a focal point of this offense for years to come. He led the league in receptions. You mentioned like in your backs to to catch passes. He was second oh, yeah. in carries. Um, he easily had you know the highest. I want to say he had the highest opportunity share, but it looks like he might have been second. No, he was first. He had he's number one. He easily had the highest opportunity share in the league, um, and that's not going to change. That's how Pittsburgh uses their backs. It's going to change even less. Um, not knowing what's going to go on at, at quarterback, he's going to continue to be involved in in the passing game with a ton of volume. And if they can improve the line at all, um, especially the interior line. I think that you're going to see some of those efficiency numbers correct a bit. Well, well, the the counting staffs of yards created and breakaway runs are going to look great. Right, 30th in yards created per touch, and then 33rd in breakaway run rate. Right, he's getting there. And again, we we want our running backs with volume for dynasty. We do, you know, we tend to lean towards talent more so than it, it tends to lean a little bit towards the talent side. In, in one year lenses, it's all about volume, and and you said it beautifully. Their running their running backs situation won't change. They drafted them in the first round. They have Mike Tomlin's got a long history of how he wants to use his running backs, and that has yet to change. If they add of anybody of significant note that could challenge him, then maybe we'll have a conversation. But I don't see Pittsburgh drafting a running back in the top two rounds or top three rounds, day one, day two. I don't see them adding anybody of significance to this backfield. You ride out Najee Harris for his, you know, four to five years because he's got that rookie deal, and then you probably trade him. He's getting up. He's already, what, 24 years old? Yeah. He'll be 24 by the time the season starts. Mm -hmm. You got four more seasons of him. You use them for three, then you start looking for offers. Yeah. and that's just who he is. Like he's not hyper talented. I that's think Javante Williams is a better who, running back. To almost every running back is these days yeah, when you get exactly. into the second contract talk is you use them, you hold them for the first contract and you trade them. That's why I don't think running backs are an immediate top of the draft pick is an asset you hold. They're a top of a rookie draft pick is an asset that 
you look to trade unless you're super close and got the number one pick because you had a ton of bad luck. Because well, I want running backs in my rookie drafts. Just because. that's what I mean. I want them in my rookie yeah, yeah. draft because they're capital, yeah. and I can trade them for a lot when they hit. Because, yeah, because people they're not the shit out. If them. you're three years away, that's not a hold asset. No, it's because by the time that you're ready to compete, you're hoping that you have right one to two years on them, and and they or they get that second contract. And not like when I watch Najee play, I don't think he's a guy that's going to scream, you know, give me another contract. As he's Pittsburgh also going to be into 27 new... with a lot of mileage when that contract is up. Now they will have a fifth year option, so it could be 28 with a lot of mileage when that contract is up. Oh, yeah, but... he'll probably, I can see them picking it up. But as you said, he'll be 28, and he has two, in, he had massive production his final two years at Alabama. Mm hmm. This guy will be used and abused yep. by that fifth year. and uh, But you know who won't be? Because of Melvin Gordon? <laughs> well, this year. <laughs> and his whole college career. Javonta Williams, that's exactly it. He's yep. a guy that could have some longevity and a lot like what we saw with Derrick Henry in his career tra trajectory, which is probably going to be a new favorite for some career tra trajectory. He's and Joe Mixon. And Joe, yeah, he's splitting early on. And that's going to save some of that wear and tear, save some of that mileage. He's highly efficient. And you get him going, he could really go. But he's splitting early on. He's going to be splitting for another year, probably. And he's split in college. So when his time finally does come, absolutely, I think he's a top six or seven back. Easily. It, and it may start this year, right? I mean, we know the He's going to cut into it, I think. Even if thankfully, there, he's going to cut into it. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, the... Uh, the hype from the community has kind of died down slightly to him. Um, probably not going to cost you an arm and a leg and a toe to get him anymore. But it, it, it's like even if they bring somebody in, and I've changed, I haven't really changed my stance on him. I, I got to see for an entire season what his role could be in That's a true exactly split backfield. what I expected it to be. Yeah, like it, it was a true split backfield. I don't expect Melvin Gordon to be back there. And even if he is, the man has been just used and abused. Easily see him falling off and having Javante climb up to that 65, 70% range, which we know running backs, high efficient running backs can be RB1s, can be very good RB1s. Delvin Cook, you know, Austin Eckler with Melvin Gordon, these guys can be productive and not be, and not get Najee Harris levels of opportunity. Absolutely. Um, all right, a couple other guys that uh, flashed a bit as I run through them. Uh, so Michael Carter, Ramondre Stevenson, Elijah Mitchell. Um, and we'll go ahead and throw Khalil Herbert and Kenneth Gainwell into this too. And to kind of what I'd consider that that next cluster. Michael Carter was, was very good in the receiving game. He was hurt mid-year. But like Javonta Williams, his college teammate, I think he was everything as advertised. And you saw you know, everything that... I think you could want to see out of Michael Carter in year one in what really was a, a lackluster offense and, you know, splitting a bit with, with Ty Johnson. I mean, he's got, he's, you know, he's got the target volume. He's got the 14 target game on his profile, the nine target game on his profile. He's, he's got high receiving games on there as well. He's not the size of the, of a back that's going to get that elite, that lead opportunity. But, in an offense like the Jets, a team like the Jets is constantly playing from behind. It's going to be 
uh, top of the league in passing attempts and probably pace of play, um, at least hopefully, it's going to give a lot of opportunity for Michael Carter to catch passes. And that's going to help offset some of the touchdown opportunities that he may not get as opposed to the other backs in his class. But he can easily be a top 10 you know, target guy amongst running backs and, and still be of value. And it just depends if how the Jets want to attack the running back position in this upcoming free agent class and rookie class. Or if but they if do. Carter can, and even if they do it, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they spend a first-round pick on a running back, I'll be very concerned about Michael Carter. But I don't think the Jets would do that no, they unless won't. they trade back. I mean, got, yeah, pick four and pick yeah. 10. Unless they trade back to the bottom of the draft, no. And even <laughs> then, they've not. got too many other needs to where you address running Absolutely. back through that Absolutely. when yeah. – Michael Carter performed, and you can go find a free agency on the scrap pile to help. Well, we said the same thing about Jacksonville, right? right. And Jacksonville, who, who who had the Pierce diamonds in the rough, so James Robinson, and still took a running back in the first round. So well, anything can happen. Jacksonville's also Jacksonville. It, the Jets are. <laughs> the Jets are the Jets. I, Jets haven't I have done a much little either. more faith in the Jets to, I, uh, to do. Yeah. With the Salah hire, with the Wilson pick, with the Carter pick, the Davis signing, I have a little bit more faith in the Jets to not screw this up as bad as Jacksonville. Yeah. Lately. yeah. Um, other, the only other note I want to make on Carter, 14th in juke rate and 18th in yards created per touch. Very, very respectable for, you know, a first year back that doesn't have a high pedigree. Yeah, and he's got a he's got he's got a significant amount of games in that sixty plus snap chair, especially towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot to like. I think we need to talk about Elijah Mitchell though. And, and oh, that's who I that is not who I was going to go to next. But go ahead, sir. No, it, it it's this guy could easily like he's in that top four, right? We like we have Harris, Etienne. Oh, I guess Harris Williams, Etienne because of prospect and what Mitchell was able to. You know to carve out and be who he was within this offense. A lot of uh, conversations. We just watched James Robinson get replaced essentially in Jacksonville after having a stellar, stellar rookie season as an undrafted free agent as a late or these late round picks. The Phil Lindsay follow the same mold. You, you know, you got Chris Carson who shows some flashes, and then Penny got you know brought in. Mitchell, though, in an offense that, that just seems to churn running backs and churn running backs and just always get production. Mitchell stays healthy, though, and which I think he'll be the starter when the season starts. I don't see why not. There's a lot of opportunity here, too. Yeah, the key for him was third and opportunity share, and it's going to be if he can main, maintain that. And the fact that that balance was second in team run plays for game. If Trey Lance is their starter next year, just inherently with rushing quarterbacks, those two numbers are going to go down, and that was the key to Elijah Mitchell's success was second run plays per game and third an opportunity share. But that so, should open up also from the efficiency standpoint when you get a running back or running back, when you get a quarterback who is a, who is an efficient runner who can hold the defenses in place on those RPOs mm-hmm. or just you know or on just the options in general. I mean, as we saw with what the Ravens were able to do with Lamar Jackson, I mean, you, Mitchell's you, you production. It, yeah, you hope it opens up the efficiency. But yeah. just saying. Touchdowns right, is a concern, though, with things. You are right. Yeah, it, it's, it's big. It's the touchdowns. It's, you know, potentially the receiving work. He had no drops, but just 19 receptions. Um, they, there are some holes there that I think you want to see get 
better and really the rushing it's kind of like Najee Harris in the sense to where the efficiency numbers aren't that good necessarily it's the fact that again volume is king right and that's what did it for him this year I definitely see the narrative where Trey Lance comes in the volume goes down but things open up but is that enough to be a net gain I don't know so, well, I mean, I mean, we've seen this off. It just depends on what the offense will look like as Lance becomes we've more all, and more uh, familiar. You keep mentioning you know, the offense, and there's one other thing I want to point out. The offense. When's the last time the same back has produced in back-to-back years? That's the other concern. Offense? Yes. He's on the injury report for seven for six different injuries and missed six games. Um, four of those injuries led to missed time. Look, yeah. name to talk about because... It is a name he, to talk he, about. It's I've I've seen him. I've seen I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people touting him as as, as a potential RB one in Dynasty. I I could be, never do that with the San Francisco back. I don't think because they change them more than they change their underwear. I mean, I want to see one stay healthy for multiple years. Then, right? I do too. Let's but let's I don't just think see one guy. stay healthy. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But this is like Vikings. This is like Vikings with quarterbacks before Kirk Cousins. Yeah, they have a new one start every fucking year. I mean, you're not wrong. I actually want to see this now, so I'm gonna go look. A Kirk Cousins was the first quarterback in Vikings or first quarterbacks, I think, since Fran Tarkenton that started. That started multiple. That that played two full seasons. That played two full seasons. So I think it was since Fran Tarkenton, which I think was done in the seventies. Sure. Um. All right. Your leading rusher. <laughs> Here we go. Last four years, they last five years, they've been different. It was yeah. Elijah Mitchell this year, Jeff Wilson last year, Raheem Mostert the year before, Matt Burita the year before, and then. Before that, you had Carlos Hyde. Yep, but that was not with Kyle Shanahan. So it was Carlos Hyde for multiple years before that, but that was with, um, I think it was Jim Kelly and yeah. Tom Sula. No, and then yeah, it was Jim Kelly. Was it Jim Kelly? No, uh, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. That's right. It was Chip Kelly and then Jim Tom Sula, and before that, when you had Harbaugh. It was a lot of Frank Gore because Frank Gore's Frank Gore. You did that for for multiple coaches, but I'm just saying that years. in the Shanahan era, you have not had um the same leading back one time. And actually Was it it, it was every single time due to injury though? It has like, I mean they, probably they, because those backs can't stay <laughs> I, I mean I mean but that's but that's the case, right? If they find and, and maybe they thought they found him, you know, found him with uh, with a trade sermon, could because he's bigger. Then they found out that he's just not a fit for the offense. Mm-hmm. It's just wh- whoever breaks out in San Francisco, right? It's why we always tell you guys just pick up any San Francisco back and just hold on to him because there's a chance. At some point, there's a chance, and if they start, they're probably doing some things with it. Like we keep seeing it with these fucking six, seventh round undrafted guys. Yeah, practice squad guys. They keep producing. They know who they want to go after. The other guy we need to talk about here is Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. Or uh, Legarrette Stevenson. Or Ramondre 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 Blunt Stevenson. (laughs) Ramondre Ramondre Blunt Ajayi. (laughs) 
Um, uh. Nah, Ramondre Stevenson had himself a good rookie year. Um, he split with Damian Harris, but they were very defined roles. And when I deep dove into this, I actually need to pull up a different set of notes for this. But when I deep dove into this, he, him and Damian Harris very closely mirrored the split that LeGarrette Blunt and Deion Lewis had. Um, let me find the things I saw that made me like Steve, Stevenson a lot. Just a second. Um, Horse and Jew crate, probably one of them. Uh, yeah, probably. Let's yeah. see. Uh, yeah, it was a timeshare with Harris, but, um, you know, lower breakaway run rate, not quite as elusive as he managed, just 25th and 27th, and Juke innovated tackles. Didn't have receiving upside, but he was thirds in yards after contact per attempt behind Chubb and Taylor. Second in attempts per broken tackle behind Javante Williams. He's a player profile, or, or not, uh, profiler metrics. He's are pro football metrics. Um, so that's elite company, right? When you are, when you're sitting up there with yards after contact with Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor and only behind Javonta Williams and attempts per broken tackle, that is a beefcake of a back. That is a guy that is going to pick up that tough yardage for you. going to pick up that goal line yardage for you and can absolutely be a grinder. And it's different from Harris who, um, really just did a little bit more in the receiving game and played a little bit different of a role. But I, I, I really like the upside of Ramondre Stevenson. Now juke rate 35.4. That's good. But, um, you know, the evaded tackles at 27th is, is not. So I'm a little torn there on those two things being so far apart, but I mean, it, there's upside is basically there, what there's it is. some there's some there's some right you know this offense gets better more scoring opportunity if Stevenson's blunt he's going to get a lot of the goal line work he will he's got to get a lot of touchdowns and we know touchdowns aren't sticky a target like he just doesn't get involved in the passing game enough maybe that changes when you know it will they let Harris go after this season it, it, you know if they let him go or not yeah this season if if they let him go which seems to kind of be the case. They like to maybe they resign him and they don't want to bring in another guy if they don't like another guy enough to you know, play alongside Stevenson. And maybe that's where the upside stands in is that if something happens to Harris or if, or if Harris walks or is let go next year, then there's upside. He's just, I'm not, I'm not excited, but I definitely, he definitely played better than expectations. I will easily give it that. And if Harris gets hurt this year, I think Stevenson will still be a value. And drafts, you know, uh, prior to the season going, so he'll be someone that you want to have on your roster because anything were to happen to Harris, there is upside definitely. In, in that you know, way. I don't even think you need something to happen to Harris for there to be upside as a two or a flex, and that's the thing that you know I want to point out. With you say you're not excited, well, here's here's why I am kind of excited, right? He's not a highly valued asset, but he is an asset that I think you know, as we get into next season is going to produce in that RB two flex sort of range. Most teams will opt to start three backs and you need to pay attention to more than just the top of your roster. And this is why, you know, Ramondre Stevenson is one of those RB two RB three guys that, you know, I kind of want to target. We put a lot of focus on 
who's your one, who's going to be the elite guy, who's going to be seventh and eighth. But when it comes to roster construction, a guy like Ramondre Stevenson is a good thing to have around that's going to get week-to-week value if you run into an injury by splitting. That's oh, gonna he have he absolutely needs upside. to be rostered in all and leagues. Absolutely. He's going to be rostered, but he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg if you want to acquire him either. Yes, I'm advocating no. to go try and kick the doors on Ramondre Stevenson and see if you can get something cheap, especially if you acquired some extra like second and third round picks that you can pair with something. I mean, you know, just wait till your rookie draft and those draft picks are worth a lot. Yeah. And you get and you're staring at the end of the second, you know, you know, at the end of the second mid second round and you find the you know, you find the guy who has him on his squad and throw him out the deal. Like if if you like Ramondre Severson a lot enough, he, like you said, he's gonna be he's not gonna cost you, you know, a lot of, you know, draft capital, capital. Or, you know, yeah. cost you you just won't cost you a lot to be able to acquire him. It's a great throw in piece. And he's got upside to boot, you know, on that. So I'm not excited. Like he's just, he's like, he's just someone that I know needs to be on rosters. He's got, he is a clear backup or a clear one B split that has easy RB two upside if Harris gets hurt. He doesn't have the volume. That's going to pump him up. He'll have some Nick Chubb esque weeks, right? A couple big plays gets a couple touchdowns. He won't have the receiving volume to prop up in the nine touchdown weeks, but I mean the guy's got multiple twenty carry games on the you know on his resume so far. He almost had a third in week seventeen against Jacksonville. If game script is going in the way of of New England, Stevenson's going to get that work, and that's and, and that's what you hope for. That's why I want to have him. It's a it is a tool in your in your fantasy football toolbox. That's uh, right. Kenneth Gainwell, go ahead. It, it It's weird, right? He was the backup when Sanders was the starter, you know, not hurt. Sanders goes down. Everyone expected just based on how Philadelphia scripted it to us. Knowing like Boston Scott's behind Sanders. They just brought up Jordan Howard. And it's 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 now the Gainwell show. Sanders is hurt for a couple of weeks, and then it's Howard and Scott. And Gainwell is the clear third with, with no real reason. Sanders comes back, and then Gainwell kind of re, you know regains his role. Um, I don't know if Howard or Scott's going to be there. I'm not looking at their contract situation, uh, but Sanders has yet to be able to play a full season. The the coaching staff, which is not changing, doesn't seem to want to get him the volume which he'll need to be an elite asset for, for fantasy. And we know Gainwell is a better pass catcher than Sanders, and he can kind of fill the same type of role that, that Sanders plays. Doesn't have his size, so you can't expect elite, you know, volume if Sanders were to go down. But there there is still the receiving upside, he gets used in two minute drills, and he's still someone you want to have on your team. And there's still a lot of guys like me who are big truthers. So if you have them, you don't, if you're not in love with them, if the value increases because something happens, Sanders or Gamble has a Tony Pollard S type of assurgence or ascension this year, then there's some value to him there too. But Gamewell, just like Stevenson, just like Chupa Hubbard, just like Kilo Herbert, are all guys you have to have in your roster because running backs, half of them get hurt. 
and there's no real way to predict that, you know, to a T. So you want to have these number two guys on there and you want, especially guys like Gainwell who, who can catch passes and will be used in that way. I'm going to talk Khalil Herbert for just a minute. He um, should. Yeah, he absolutely should. Khalil Herbert was a uh, re- put himself into premium tier handcuff talk with behind David Montgomery. Um, you know, Montgomery's, I think, entering the last year of his contract. So, yes. you know, Herbert was an older prospect. He, he like Najee Harris, is going to be 24 at the start of the season. Uh, but if he produces this year in pinch duty or in a split backfield or if Montgomery goes down and produces again and the Bears opt to not re-sign him, this is a two years from now play that you can absolutely make. Uh, Khalil Herbert in his two start in his sorry, three starts, um, saw close to twenty carries in all of them, hundred and twelve and hundred and thirty three yards in back to back games games, so back to back hundred yard games. Um yeah, two games around that, seventy five and in sixty eight. Um targets and receptions weren't there. We do hope Tariq Cohen can make it back at some point, so don't expect that part of the game to be there. But this is a guy that if David Montgomery misses is a, a premium deer handcuff and you know, you should have him rostered as well. You want you want write it down in your notebook, you know. If you're listening to the Beardfield podcast. We bring up Clue Herbert. Write this down. So one note I want you to take away from this show is to get as much Clue Herbert as you can. Because after this as year, much. if Montgomery, Montgomery could be gone like he was, and Montgomery goes, Khalil Herbert is right in line to be that guy, especially if he's productive again. He's going to cost significantly less. He's going to have two more years on his own rookie deal. Montgomery has done, he's been, he's been serviceable, you know, slash good, but he's not league breaking. He's not groundbreaking enough. And the bears are, are still, you know, in the midst of figuring out and retooling this roster around figuring out what they want to be. Absolutely. No reason for the bears to resign and bring back Montgomery. Unless the the money makes sense. Sure. Obviously, you know, cost is always, you know, in this equation, but Montgomery is probably going to command or try to command top 12 running back money. And Herbert proved easily in the three games that he was a starter that he can be just as serviceable, if not more than Montgomery. So go out there and try to acquire or pick up Herbert. Clearly Herbert. And uh, I put him on your roster. The only other guy I want to mention in the running back class is Kine no, uh, Wanwil. He had a couple big plays. He is an athletic freaking marvel. And just, he's a guy to watch. That's that's the only, I don't want to deep dive it or anything like that. I just want to say that he's a guy to watch. He had some big plays. He's explosive. He's highly uh, hyper-athletic. Um, you know, it is a crowded running back room, but just keep an eye on play special teams. He'll always now. be active on game day. Yep. It's all that matters. He plays special teams. He'll be active. Yes, sir. All right. Wait reviews and then we'll do it for the rest of this. Yeah. Pretty much just receivers. I'm almost out of bourbon. Yeah. We'll talk tight ends briefly. There's, there's a couple tight ends to talk about. Beer review.
All right, I'm gonna go first because I'm almost out. Notes on this is like straight coffee cake. Um, it is coffee cake, cinnamon streusel. Um, yeah, definitely some vanilla tannins to it, but it's like coffee cake, cinnamon streusel. It's a pastry. Um, on the mouth, it's definitely evolved over time. When I first tried it, it very, very much had like a cherry cola note to it. Um, as it's evolved, uh, the oak tannins have come out a little, little, uh, a little bit more. So those are definitely present underneath, um, the rest of the bourbon. uh, up front, you get a, a big blast of like cinnamon red hot candy and, um, you know, heavy caramel, heavy vanilla, heavy barrel char. It's a good balance between spice, sweet, and, you know, kind of a dry tannic finish. The finish is relatively short consider it medium um drinks easier than it's proof definitely will get the job done and i would absolutely consider it worth the 70 dollars. so there's that i've also been drinking a little bit on the spotted cow it's not the best chocolate milk stout i had it's got a lot more roasty toasty notes than i typically want in a sweeter stout chocolate's still there so there you go there's a light hand of fate review too yeah, and drinking phase threes checks out dark lager look we talked a lot about this at the beginning of the show the style what the beer should be printed out when you drink it. And it, it, and what we love, what I love about dark lagers in general is that they're, they're not nearly as thick or heavy as a lot of the powder or powder porter and sauce that you'll drink that will bring out these similar roastiness. Uh, chocolate's obviously not, it's obviously not going to stand out. It's more of a, you know, of that thicker malt to it. Um, but again, I, I, I want to highlight this style a lot because I, I wish more breweries would put it out into distribution. I know a lot of breweries make it as, you know, random small batches from time to time at their, you know, at their home locations. I wish more would put would put these out into the availability. So to anybody out there that's got recommendations for ones that we should be looking out for, I do, I do do a lot of traveling because of my job and we also love to travel the Midwest and do a bunch of stuff. And we always stop at liquor stores along the way. So if anyone's got recommendations, please shoot them out. Let us know. Twitter uh, at Beerfield30 at Beerfield Hop 2 peas, or make comment on the show. Let us know and we'll give it a review and we'll shout you out. For anybody that's curious what I just poured, this is my infinity bottle. Ooh. You know what's, you, you know what's in there? It, <laughs> it's know. not like Brad's list, right? Shout out Roto Lounge when he talked about his uh, his infinity. Um, There's like 10 different bourbons I think he put in there. Or so something it's definitely absurd. not all written down. What I have written on here, because I stopped writing them after a point. <laughs> I mean, look how full that thing is. That's the last pour. The infinity bottle for me is the last pour of, of each bottles thing, yeah. I drink. that I, Not even each thing. I stopped putting some things in here. This is the last pour of bottles I liked, and I've almost filled up a fifth. Um, what's in this one for sure is, uh, 11 and wine and spirits, Woodford double oak pick, Michter's American whiskey, uh, twin liquors, old foresters, uh, single barrel, 15 year Knob Creek, 120, a Benny's pick, uh, a Benny's pick of a maker's mark, private select bullet, four roses, small badge, Eagle rare, old granddad bonded, Evan Williams bottled and bond makers, 46, Larceny wine and cheese plate place pick. 80 laws, four grand, uh, four roses, Ooh, God, single barrel pick from Roof Brothers. 
I've got a barrel pick of that four grand, by the way. We'll open together next time you're down here. Um, a new riff single barrel pick. Uh, E.H. Taylor small batch. Um, and then recently I know that Peerless has gone in here because um, I did split a pour with that. I split a pour with uh, a bluegrass weeded, the one we bought at your bachelor party. I finished that bottle today. Nice. Um, so there's some of that in here and probably about 10 or 15 other things that I'm not sure of. So love it. it it's I stopped writing because, as you can see, I ran out of room on the piece of paper. <laughs> I'll have to give that a try next time. Just, you know, do a pour of, uh, we'll call it the. A taste of the Midwest. Yeah, it's a taste of of something. Sorry, I knocked a bottle of New Riff off the off the shelf. For those that don't know what an infinity infinity bottle is, by the way, it's a way to make your bourbon essentially live on for infinity. So when you get to the bottom of a bottle, the idea is that the last pour of that bottle goes into the infinity bottle, and then it will blend with other things you pour into it and live on forever. So that's what this is. Yep. All right, wide receivers. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the three obvious guys. Uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. I mean, we don't talk too much about Chase. No. Or why? I mean, we've, t- we've talked a lot about Waddle too. Uh, um, yeah. I think the, I think the ideas with, with Chase is that he's a top two dynasty wide receiver with Waddle. You saw everything you wanted to. You just hope the depth of target gets a little bit better. And the new offense, because they were using him a ton along the line of scrimmage, but the volume and everything was absolutely there. Uh, Devonta Smith is, is the guy that I think where we got to kick this off from. He's got great A dot, 14.4, six in air yard share, ninth in deep targets. You know, for a quarterback, you know, for a running quarterback, it's, you you know, most would think the passing volume being down and they're going to, you know, keep it short and sweet um, and not try to hug it, chug it deep all the time. Smith, impress, right? You know, we can make all the BMI jokes all we want. Philadelphia has a clear, a clear mind for his role. And Smith, you know, being, being able to fill that out and be a, a great asset is uh, it's something that's 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 good to see for those that have spent up into him, and he was still tenth in in unrealized air yards. So we have a yeah. lot of upside to him. Still, yeah. he's being used downfield. That's something that that they've absolutely been looking for. Um, rush first quarterback, so you want to see that improve a little bit. But solid first first season for Devonta Smith. I mean, he's a wide receiver thirty. You need him to grow up a little more more to have the value built into him if you were to want to trade him away. He's very much a holder right now. Um, next round, Kadarius, Tony Rashad, Bateman, Elijah Moore, guys that kind of flashed but didn't really go. Um, I'll riff on Tony for a minute because I know you don't like him. So, uh, Most of the Giants receivers were affected by poor offensive play. They were affected by the same thing. It was it was low A dot. It was poor target quality. Um, but when Kadarius Tony was healthy, the Giants had him involved. He was seventh in target rate. 
Um, low volume team. That's one thing that hurt them. So, you know, it was just 5.7 per game, but that's still pretty good. Uh, yards per route run was 17th, which is, is good. Separation was good. Contested catch rate was a very passable, uh, 40th in yards after in yards after the catch. That's total yards after the catch. And he missed six games. So Tony showed that kind of the athleticism, elusiveness and ability to be a guy that can pick up yardage and be used as a weapon was absolutely there. He's not going to be a one. He's going to be a guy that you have to scheme in and use in the right ways. And we knew that when he was drafted. Um, but, and he did deal with injuries, which you've got to pay attention to. He had multiple strains and sprains in year one. He missed seven games because of it. Nine injury reports. Uh, but the underlying results were promising, especially when you look at guys like Kenny Galladay, who had been productive elsewhere, uh, Sterling Shepard, who had been productive in years past, uh, and, and Darius Slayton, who had also produced in years past. The underlying numbers on Tony were better than all three of those guys. So it's something to, to pay attention to. It's somewhat of a buy-low opportunity, but you don't want to pay a price that... It's like when you invest in the stock market, right? If you're going to pay a price for Tony, you want to make sure you're okay with losing it, even though there's some high reward there, because it may never manifest. I just think it's worth pointing out that on a bad Giants offense where a lot of receivers had very poor underlying metrics, his were actually pretty passable. Yeah, he stays on the field. He stays healthy. You know, they've, you know, you know, we've applauded the Giants, um, you know, moves they made in the offseason to, you know, you know, address the GM and the head coaching positions and made some good, you know, hires on the coaching staff. So it, it, it's, they're going to have that fifth year with them. You know, Daniel Jones is probably on its way out. The Giants are not slated to be a good team next year. You know, they'll pick high. They get high enough. You get a chance at the, at the top two quarterbacks that, that people are touting very, very highly. Lack of chance for him, right? He's got the 13 target game. He's got the 12 target game. He's got the big 189 yard game with 137 air yards to it. So we've seen it. He's put at least one of those games on paper and he's not going to, he's not going to cost you a, a, a lot to be able to try to try to go out there and acquire him. He's cheap for, you know, a lot of us who picked him up because just like, in years past, when the entire community hates on a player, it always makes him a value in his rookie drafts. And Tony was still a first round pick. So there's still a, a better, you know, chance than not that he'll find himself on the field for as long as he can stay healthy and keep his shit together, right? He's six injuries on his injury report and he's had off the field. There's been, there's always something and that's, that's going to kill you quicker than anything else is just not get on the field. So. If you can get his shit together and stay healthy and the Giants are anything of substance in the 22 season, then there is, there is value to Tony. Absolutely. It's the most amount of positive things you'll hear me say about him, though. Nope. I, I figured. And I don't like saying positive things either, but he was the best <laughs> wide receiver on the Giants when he was on the field. It's, yeah. Uh, take that yeah. for what it's worth. Rashad Bateman. Uh, this is a guy that I think we expect to have more upside on what we anticipate is probably going to be a low volume passing offense um, where Marquise Brown took some nice strides, but let's talk Bateman for a minute. 
You know, Bateman missed seeing the first five games due to injury. Obviously missed all of training camp and preseason because he got hurt at the beginning of it. Um, wide receiver is one of the most difficult positions to transition to from college to pros. And with low volume, established playmakers that stayed healthy throughout and Brown and Sand and Brown and Andrews on top of having to take snaps away and basically, you know, change spots with Sammy Watkins, who was the big wide receiver get for the Ravens in the offseason last year. Babin carved himself out a role. He impressed the coaching staff for as soon as he stepped onto the field and was able to be productive with not only Lamar Jackson, but with Tyler Huntley for whatever that's worth. But it's still it's still the no. This is still a low volume offense. They do they're a low volume passing offense. They want they've been increasing the pass more. Um, we're gonna have to see how this offense looks now when they don't have eighty five percent of their starting you know players missing. Bateman year two, a lot of us are excited for it. Brown should not be getting the amount of target share that he got. That's for him, he needs it's all deep targets. The one that you want to pamper more is a guy like Bateman who can work over the middle more and be more successful, just given his size and his ability to, you know, to win, you know, versus zone and man while also starting to support Andrew. So if he blows up, it might be in the same way that, you know, with, you know, with AJ Brown, where he reaches a certain ceiling, you have to start, you know, you're talking to yourself about maybe potentially moving him, but. Bateman should be looking. He's also someone that you should be looking to try to acquire for cheap, especially, you know, in this year's class and this year's rookie class after, you know, the big, you know, the big options go. Bateman still has first round draft capital. And he's still pretty, he's still impressed in a lot of ways that won't show up on the box score. Now, I, in the interest of keeping it moving, Elijah Moore. Sorry, I don't disagree with anything you said on Bateman. Oh, I, I know, I know, know I know. You're a big Bateman you, stand. We both so love more. You're gonna say I, I just stand Bateman. You can stand more right now. All right, I will stand more. So Elijah Moore kind of a mixed bag this season. He did deal with some. I think he dealt with a couple injuries, but he also dealt with just inconsistent quarterbacking. I mean, Zach Wilson had um some issues there in the middle, uh, where he missed a couple games. Yeah, quad strain caused three games missed and a concussion. So Zach Wilson had his own issues. Um, Elijah Moore really thrived kind of with Mike White there for a bit before uh, coming back on. And Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco before coming <laughs> back on a bit with with Wilson. Um, target premium was good. Some of the efficiency metrics are actually not all that great but what elijah moore has is explosiveness and he has the ability to be a very viable weapon in this offense you know it may take a little bit longer for them to figure out kind of how to use him to get that consistent performance um he was not playing a ton out of the slot he was playing a lot outside which he's athletic enough to do but his size definitely puts him as a huge mismatch in the slot and i think that might be where he long term ends up uh when jamison crowder is out both as long as Crowder and Barrios are there, they're going to be trying to use more outside where he might be a little miscast. Either way, very explosive player. Um, I think he lived up to what the expectations for him were. In your uh, Crowder, I believe, is a free agent. 
Uh, yeah, it's Barrios though that I worry about too. If they Jets don't do anything in, else there, they are in talks to uh, uh, to resign Barrios. Look, Moore is amazing. Like uh, you know, in, in, you know, to preserve time wise, it, it, it's the question going both, into the season was which Moore is it? The answer was Elijah, not Rondale. Yeah, and let's hope he stays healthy too. Even if they bring in a guy like London or Burks, that's going to have significantly higher premium capital. Yes, more, more is more than good enough. Do we need to talk more about Amon Ross St. Brown, or can we just say go back and ep- reference the episode with John Hogue where we talked a lot about Amon Ross St. Brown? No, nope, we're good. Love the, him still. It's a mixed bag. I love him. You love him. Um, there's a mixed bag between buy and sell on him. Yeah. Um, other receivers in this class, by the way. If something stands out, just stop me. Rondale Moore, anything? We'll see what it looks like without Christian Kirk and AJ uh, Green. That's it. I think Kirk's going to cost too much. I think he's gone. Kirk leaves, yeah. Yeah, and I think AJ Green's also a free agent. Well, they're going to have to change the way they use him. He's too much of a gadget player from the beat true fantasy asset right now. Dwayne Eskridge. Nope. Tutu Atwell. Terrace Marshall. He got replaced by Shy Smith and other undrafted guys. You can buy into the talent the way that we bought in, you know, that I still kind of believe in LaVisca Chanel, kind of, but at least Chanel's situation is extremely better right now. Same thing with De'Ami Brown. I mean, he, yeah. there was nobody there on the football team to to take away from him behind McLaurin, and it didn't pan out. Oh, he's, he's probably not going to be a thing. Or sorry, the commanders. I got to get used to that now, too. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, fucking football team. Amari Rodgers of the Packers. Again, not enough opportunity there. Nico Collins. A uh, little bit with the Texans, but, I mean, it was mostly Brandon Cooks there. Anthony Schwartz. I mean, he, it, it, yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. He's so hyper-athletic. There's been rumors that they're that they're trying to trade Brandon Cooks. Maybe one year wonder. Maybe maybe he'll get the volume this year before they start to, you know, retool and replace this. I hope they trade Brandon Cooks because he's younger than Cooper Cup and still produces on every team he goes to somehow. For the love of God, trade him to an offense that has actual trade fucking to upside. A team that will just fu- trade Cooks to a team that will just fucking appreciate the Chargers. Him. They're losing Mike Williams. Trade him He's, to a team that will just fucking appreciate him and hold on to him for a couple of years. Send him back to the Buffalo. Saints when Michael Thomas leaves town. I don't care. Send him to <laughs> Buffalo. Send him Send somewhere him that guy is appreciated because all he does is produce and get shipped out. Yep. Love it. Anthony Schwartz should some explosive ability in year one. You want to see him find a bigger role with the Browns, the opportunities there, um, with Landry potentially winning out too. I mean... There's a ton of opportunity there in Cleveland. You just want to see him capitalize on that. So keep an eye on that. Uh, got third round DC too, which helps. Yeah, third round DC. He's a good guy. He's a guy I would target as a throw-in piece if I'm a rebuilding team and need a little bit more on top. Do not hate that. Uh, Desmond Patrick, I don't have anything to say. Nope. Uh, nothing on Jalen Darden. Nothing on Tylen Wallace. Jacob Harris. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset. Anything there? He continues to, uh, you know, he carved himself a role late last season. You know, Thielen's getting old. 
it's just another potentially great find from from Spielman. So he's someone just to have on your, you know, back of the bench. He should be rostered. He does play special teams, so he will always be active. Yep. Uh, Serene Fihoko, Useless, Cornell Powell, Frank Darby, Marquez Swanson, Shai Smith, uh, Racy McMath, which is still one of the funnier names of this class, Jalen Camp, Seth Williams, Daz Newsome, Mike Stration, Trey Nixon, Ben Skronik. Really did not take advantage of any opportunity he was given this year, and he was definitely given them. Rams need to get deeper. <laughs> I mean, they had two, two well. Yeah, deeper. Rams need to get deeper at wide receiver. I mean, behind Cup, Beckham had the torn ACL, so even if he comes back, he's not going to be ready to go week one. Woods, it's looking kind of be. dim. They need a lot more for Van Jefferson. He needs to step up. They do to take advantage of the expanded role. Or they need to get it. Yeah, or they need to improve on top of that because they don't have much behind it. Maybe they'll trade for. <laughs> they'll try to get back Brandon Cooks. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I mean, I let's be real, man. Oh, with him with Stafford and that, oh man, why not? That'd be pretty single coverage all day. Uh, Quan Baker, Dax Milne, nothing on them. Tight ends, nope. only two we need to talk about: Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. How high can we be on Pitts? How high can one person be on on Pitts? He, I mean, without touchdowns, right? Like the only reason why we're not. Like the hype yeah. isn't higher on him is because he scored one touchdown. That's it. That's that's it. Like they, the I mean, like he achieved volume. all the levels you want to see him to achieve. The Falcons need to do some things to improve that offense. Matt Ryan is still obvi- still what I would consider a viable NFL quarterback, and he's going to stay there because uh, Tampa Tom Brady retired. Mm-hmm. The NFC South has a worse receiving has a worse quarterback room than any other division of football. Yeah, Matt Ryan's the best quarterback in that league. They're in that division, so he's going to stay. Gonna, yeah. It's going to be a matter of you had the unexpected loss of Calvin Ridley after you pulled out Julio Jones. You need to put weapons back into that offense. Um, Pitts is a good start to that. You need to put a running game back into that offense because they were severely lacking that, even with Cordero Patterson so being a good gadget. They need a <laughs> lot of help, um, but Pitts will continually get volume. Um, you need him to get touchdowns. That's and until then he's going to be behind the top echelon of tight ends. I mean, well, I still want him in Dynasty. I, th- I, I still, still want think him he's Dynasty. a top. I still think he's a top. I think he's top two. I think he, he, yeah. you can argue with Andrew just given age, what he's done so far, and the fact that we know touchdowns is a, is very random. Yeah, the fact that he's so like top. he could find himself in the seven eight touchdowns next year, and no one would, no one be shocked. He's top two or three. It's Andrews and then maybe Kittle that I think are up there. Kelsey's too old to be up there at this point. Waller's getting to that point. And Waller had to me piss is one. Waller had I would, a very down year. So Yeah. I would I would still put Pitts above both, but it's, Pitts, it's close. Andrews right? and like, Kittle kind of like all in a tier there at the top end of the tight end. One A through one C. You're happy with one of them. Yeah. Pat Fryamy is the only other thing. He had saw utilization in Pittsburgh year one. He was pretty much uh adult in Schultz level of productivity, which I think firmly puts him as a first year tight end into uh you know beyond that top three we talked about, right? You're a first year tight end that's producing at a level that is fantasy relevant. You might as well be a top eight tight end in Dynasty. And I think that's where Fryamuth has to land right now. I mean Outside of 
You've got Dawson Knox probably in that conversation. Don't know where Dalton Schultz is going, right? Um, You know, Kelsey would still be above that. Gronk might retire. So... You're just he falls. He, he falls in that large cluster of of if he stays healthy, he's a top seven tight end. In in redraft, I think in dynasty, he's a top seven tight end just because there's some certainty there into the fact that you've got some years of productivity out of him. Quarterback question, sure, but you've got some years of productivity out of him coming. I don't think that there's a lot of people I would put ahead of him. I mean, it's the three guys we mentioned: Travis Kelsey and. Maybe Dawson Knox. I, I would put. Oh, I'd put Waller ahead of him. Still, Waller, Waller when healthy, is going to still be the focal point of the Raiders' offense. So Waller I mean, with him and Renfro. So Waller and Knox. That's five. So you have Hawkinson. Hawk. Hawk. Yes. I, how can I forget about Hawk? Six. Um. And then I think that's where that's where the clump comes from, right? Yeah. Like, depends on you feel about Noah Fant. Because um, Hawk should be up there. And then, yeah, you're, that's where the clump comes from. You have Frymuth, who's insulated. You have Fant, who's got Albert O in the same offense and needs to stay healthy. You've got, um, I think, Evan Ingram's utilization says good things, but the productivity hasn't been there and the We're injuries have, have been there. And you're yeah. going to have to see him on a, as a second-team guy. So you're right. That is where the clump t- comes in. And I'm inclined to favor Frymuth just because the role is insulated for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Frymuth. He was like, I still think he'll be a completely fine. Like, is he going to blow the socks off? No, no. Like he, he, he is, but is he firmly in a, you know, it just as a, a good tight end option to have a starting tight end on a dynasty roster. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So easily. All right. That should wrap her up. Mini series completed. Mini series completed. Uh, next week we'll have. I think we're doing free agency preview. I don't remember. I think next probably. Week, I think it's a free agency <laughs> preview because free agency actually starts the, the week after. So I think we're doing a free agency preview next. God, week. are we that? Is it that close? Already? Yeah, March fifteenth wow. is when the uh, free agency yeah. is when the I think the legal tampering period starts. So. It's that close. We'll have combine stuff to get through as well, because uh, the combine is next week, starting. So yeah, some things to get through there. Um, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Josh Larkey will be joining us sometime. Maybe, Maybe. he'll be on eventually, sometime. Yeah, I'm at Beerfield Hoppy's Beerfield Thoroughly Show is Beerfield. Um, Beerfield Fantasy Pod or Beer, Beerfield Podcast. Sorry, honey. YouTube. Getting all choked up here. It's time. For- Beerfield. Then I know. Then I know. But I don't know.